Decision prides itself on supporting journalists throughout their working day. They have a handy and free media request service, which helps you get the info you need for your stories. You can also set up a free professional profile on Cision and connect directly with PRs. Meanwhile, cisionjobs.co.uk is the perfect job site to find your next great role. Finally, the Media Moves newsletter is a fantastic place for freelancers and staffers to shout about their new jobs, new beats or availability for commissions. Come and join the Cision family. Find out more by visiting cision.co.uk forward slash journalists dash services. Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists. I'm Emma Wilkinson and I'm Lily Cantor. We're both experienced freelance journalists and in each episode, with the help of two guests, we give practical tips on key issues you face when working for yourself. We're delighted to be back for Series 6 and this week's topic is all about ghosting. Yes, we get a lot of questions about this, which is essentially what to do when an editor is ignoring your emails. Yes, but before we get down to business, first of all, we're going to share our freelance highlight of the week. So come on then, Emma, what's yours? Okay, so mine was actually a little bit more than a week ago, but it's probably my freelance highlight of the year. Everything I say after this isn't going to count, which is that I won an award. Yeah. Yeah, so I won the... A Medical Journalist Association Freelancer of 2021 um, award for which I'd submitted three articles that I'd done during the pandemic. So I was really, really pleased uh, about that and also got to meet and network with loads of editors who I work for normally who I don't see or have never met. So that was really nice as well. Uh, Lily, what's your highlight uh, from the past week? Yeah, I feel like I can't top that now. <laughs> Maybe I should have come first. Um, I guess mine is um, something that actually relates back to the last episode of our last series. So there's a nice little segue there. Um, in that I had my first sort of long read published um, in Runner's World magazine, which I was really pleased about because I hadn't written for them before and I kind of set myself a bit of a goal to pitch to them and get the piece published um, which I did and it was uh, yeah published in the last week so it was really nice to actually see it on the page because you never quite know what it's going to look like. Yes and my copy of Runners World which I actually get arrived on Friday and I was running around the house showing everyone look Lily's in the magazine <laughs> which was quite nice and um, Okay, let's get straight in with introducing this week's guests. We have editor and writer Joel Snape. Currently freelance, Joel has had a varied career to date, including being editor at large at Men's Fitness. And we also have Sholope Alatashe, who's a freelance journalist with business and financial reporting experience, who's worked for the BBC, the Financial Time and many others. It's so great to have both of you with us today. Um, so we're going to talk about ghosting, which is when someone that you were in contact with suddenly stops communicating with you and you can't get any answers. So as freelancers, um, we get used to getting no response at all when sending out a cold pitch, for example. But I'm sure we can also all po- point to those times when you think you've got a commission, but then you get no further information about it or you send in copy, perhaps, and there's no acknowledgement of it 
Um, Joel, let's start with you, because you've got experience of both sides of this coin as the writer and the editor. But can you think of a time when you've been frustrated by a lack of response from someone you had been commissioned by? How, how common do you think this is? So, yeah, I think it's fairly common. Um, I think it happens quite a lot, even among it happens with me, even with some editors that I really like and work well with and have done a number of pieces for in the past. Um, I feel like I used to get more frustrated with it than I do now, because like now I've got kind of I understand a bit more of what's happening on the editor's side, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. But also um, I just have like better strategies for dealing with it these days. And uh, I think that really helps. And Charlotte, is this something you can relate to? I mean, have there been any times when you felt you're being ignored by someone that, you know, you think you're you're working for or have a commission from? Um, yeah, so I guess from what I've kind of experienced, eventually I do get a response. Um, so I guess I'm one of the lucky ones. Um, but I do find that, um, you know, and like Joel was saying, that kind of seeing it from the editor's perspective, um, you kind of understand, you know, the mountain, the avalanche of emails that people get and things like that. Um, so yeah, you just find your ways of your coping mechanisms and, you know, figuring out how to move forward with that really. Absolutely. I mean, let's face it, kind of in all parts of our lives, some people are better at communicating and kind of staying on top of that communication than others. We've all got those friends who will reply immediately to a text versus someone who might reply kind of a week later. And that's the same, I guess, with people staying on top of their emails. But you can imagine that in addition to kind of whatever your personality type is of how good you are at kind of quickly replying to things, you can imagine that an editor might just be absolutely incredibly overwhelmed, busy, hasn't had time to reply or has even seen your email. So Joel, you've kind of worn this editor's hat. Can you talk us through what might be happening on the other end when you as the freelancer are sort of tearing your hair out? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, as everybody understands, I think editors have probably never been busier than they are now. You know, it's like it's a demanding job. You're not just editing a magazine or a newspaper a lot of the time. You're like in charge of events and all sorts of other planning things. Um, and things just do get on top of you. And um what I think quite commonly happens, like not seeing your emails is one thing, and that's that's kind of a difficult thing in its own right. Um, and that's something I think you can only fix by nudging. But quite often, I think if I've unintentionally ghosted someone as an editor in the past, what will have actually happened is that uh, they've sent me a question and I've gone, okay, I need to think about my response to that. And then th that has got lost in the shuffle somewhere. And usually the reason that's happened is because the response requires like quite a lot of thought. Um, and it's something that I go, okay, I'll need to put that off until later in the day or until I can clear a big stretch of time. Um, and that, you know, and that takes a while and then and then it sort of falls to the back burner. And, you know, again, I'm always trying to come up with different strategies as, you know, as an editor and a project manager myself to deal with that. But there are ways you can kind of mitigate um, that being a problem as a freelancer, which I can certainly talk about as well. Yeah, yeah. Go through that with us then. What what can you do as a freelancer? Well, so, I mean, I think something I'm sure you've had other guests on the podcast say is that like a huge thing for editors is people, you know, you obviously you want people who have really lyrical writing and who are, you know, who are bringing you brilliant ideas. But what you want quite often as an editor is somebody who makes your life easy for you. 
So, and, you know, and brings you stuff and helps you out. And, you know, you know, they're reliable, you know, they bring you copy on time. So when, if I'm trying to deal with someone who's, you know, not responding to my emails, in a, you know, and I'm the freelancer, what I'll try and do to make that editor's job easier is kind of go, okay, this is the situation. This is what's going on. This is, this is what I need from you. I think a lot about like, I call it like first thing thinking, here's the next step that needs to happen to make this project continue. So, you know, I don't go, I wouldn't say for instance, okay, I haven't got any case studies. What do you want me to do? I might say, um, you know, okay, the case studies that I was originally talking about in my pitch have fallen through for whatever reason, here's a different case study, here's another option. I need you to kind of yes, know me on these other options or I'll present some options to the editor and kind of go, you know, you just need to pick one of these, just like try and make their lives easy basically. Yes, I mean, we've talked about this before, haven't we Lily, about bringing solutions and not problems Yeah. because then you'll find people just go, oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's, that's a really good thing to kind of reiterate really is, it's not just about sort of demanding an answer, but making it really easy for them to kind of respond quickly and have a very specific thing for them to answer. Um, I just want to kind of move on perhaps to a sort of certain scenario and, and bring you in here, Sholapay, because, um, you know, we want to give people practical advice. Um, so say, for example, you've pitched an idea and the editor has come back and they seem keen, but you haven't had a sort of formal, yes, this is a commission, here's the word count, here's the deadline. And now they're not answering. What would you do at that point? And, and would you ever reach a point where you would give up and pitch somewhere else? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think the first thing I do is I usually kind of give it two weeks. So if after they've kind of aired some interest and it's been a week and I've not got you know any official um, word count or um, how much I'm going to be paid or anything I'll then send that email and that says you know okay when's the deadline what's the word count how much you know so that there's all those things there for them it's kind of like what Joel was saying help them out so I'll spell it out I need these things um, that's great you're interested but we need to move forward so how how are we going to do that basically um, and if I've sent that email and then another week goes by and I haven't heard from them, I'll send a chase email. Or I hope you've seen the above um, and, you know, it'd be really great. I know you're interested. Um, yeah. And if at that point um, there isn't any response, then I would assume that I, it's time to move on. I think two weeks is fairly, you know, decent amount of time. Um, and yeah, it's just literally three things, the word count um, and you know the other two pieces of information as well um so yeah i think at that point i would move on and, and also send a courtesy email you know just in case they do get through their emails and they do see it eventually just so that they know that i've, I've moved on yeah. yes absolutely i mean i think the trick um as you've kind of spelled out so nicely there is to always remain polite and professional so you might be getting really annoyed but it's kind of not showing that through the email just sending kind of really clear emails um, about what you need to know or what what you expect and also you know it's your job to as a journalist to kind of get your pieces published so if they're not interested then you're absolutely within your rights to just go somewhere else and that's fine I, and I don't think you know there are any agents that wouldn't expect you to do that or think that that was unreasonable and um, let's think about another scenario 
Um, so you've got a brief this time, you've got the commission and something has gone wrong. So Joel, you mentioned about case studies are dropping out, but I've had circumstances before where perhaps the story that I've been asked to look into isn't what it seemed or the angle, there might be a stronger angle once you've started speaking to people. And so you need some guidance on, you know, is it okay for you to go in this new direction, except the editor you're working for isn't responding on on that joel um so what would you do in this case have you got some kind of nice phrases that people could use to uh to solve that one well again um again if 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 it's the kind of relationship where i'm emailing back and forth with them then i do tend to just present them like a buffet of options and go you know this or or even just go this is what i think the story is now this is this is the approach i think we should take um like are you okay with this basically um i think maybe i'm used to doing slightly faster turnaround things than um charlotte pay sometimes because i'll occasionally like i'm in the situation where i might need to ring an editor up because you know they've asked me for a piece and it's due a day or two later so you know i'm in the position where i'll have to go okay i've changed my mind about this i need to call you but that's kind of that's a kind of case by case basis thing like how quickly you'll chase them up and what means you'll use to do it you know there there are thankfully editors I'm on like good enough terms with that I can just you know I've got their phone numbers and I can give them a call which is really helpful um yeah yes I mean I think it's probably worth saying isn't it that um you build up relationships over time with editors so this is less likely to be a problem with an editor that you've worked with for a while because even if you aren't getting a response you're going to Lily's shaking her head now I'm thinking in my head I'm thinking well there must be a good reason for it because I know that they definitely want to work with me and that um you know I you know I, there will be a solution here we need to find a way I guess I think I have more patience in those situations because um I'm just guessing that they've you know their head is full of something else on that day mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. When you absolutely need to get on with something and you need to kind of, because your deadline is looming, you do need a response. I want to know why Lily's shaking her, was shaking her head <laughs> at that now. About because there are two editors that I work regularly for, have done for several years, who I both have to chase endlessly. And I'm talking like six or seven emails. And this is, you know to everything whether it's like response to a pitch or whether it's been commissioned and I've got a question or they've said oh can you do this particular story for me and I've said yes and then I've heard nothing else um but one thing I have found is quite important and it took me a while before I figured this out was actually the time of day and the day of the week that I emailed them because they weren't like other editors uh, the, a lot of editors I find um, would respond like first thing in the morning about eight o'clock, whereas these particular two editors never, ever. And I realised I needed to be emailing them sort of three, four o'clock in the afternoon um, towards the end of the week. And when I started doing that, I'm not saying that they did always respond, but the uh, response rate improved. So it, that can be another tip on it to just um, try you know, if it is an email, if you can't ring them, trying different times of day, different days of the week, because it may just be there is a point in time where they actually do sit down and go through their emails or where they're on email and you can kind of catch their eye. But yeah, there are a couple that, and I still work for them because I like the work and, and they are, you know, nice to work for, but they're just terrible at responding. Yeah, I mean, I think 
you do learn over time don't you that some people are just not very good at responding to emails and that and that's that's they that's just the way they operate in um but you've kind of evolved your relationship with them to kind of be accepting and of that's the way it is it's nothing I'm doing but also to try and figure out how to tick the right boxes to get through to them so that's that's helpful yeah and I think it's also how you phrase your email so not necessarily doing a reply because I think sometimes a reply doesn't come up in an email inbox it's like I know with my email sometimes if someone replies it kind of disappears and I don't see it so sometimes it's about sending a fresh email about changing the subject heading it might be you know the subject heading might be can you answer this quick quick question um you know it, it's playing around with all that sort of stuff as well um I'm just going to move on though because we've got sort of another um scenario that I, I want to put to you Shalapé um and that's about kind of when you've done everything that's been asked of you, 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 you know, you've got the commission, you've filed the copy and then you don't hear anything. Certainly this is an issue I have with a few editors that you don't actually know that they've got the copy, you know, you and you worry that they haven't seen it or it's on their spam box. Um, and, and then you worry kind of well, when am I going to get paid as well? So you've got no idea if they've seen your, your copy Um and kind of you're kind of left then aren't you so what would you do in that situation um yeah because well I guess obviously at that point you've kind of done all the research you've done all the work and it's there and you're kind of ready to be done with it almost um I think the first thing I would think to do is it's kind of what you said Lily about sending a fresh email um uh, with the copy and being like oh I hope you've seen this um if you've got a phone number if you're you know that way with your editors then to give them a call and just be like oh I've sent it over um hope everything's okay um and maybe it's kind of that kind of trying to find a solution um it's kind of like what Joel said that sometimes they might read through it and they might be like okay we need to edit this or there's things that need to be done to it um so maybe asking that question um of you know are there any edits anything I need to do I'm happy to do them um and yeah just being ready to turn that around quickly when they do reply you um, but if it gets to the stage where it's because I, I do quite a lot of features writing, long form writing. So the, the, the time um, from you know, writing to publication can be quite long sometimes. Um, but if it gets to the point where you feel like you've, you've done all of that, you've sent your emails, you've you know, done your phone calls and you're still not getting a reply, um, then I would you know, just express to them that um, you, you have to move on with, with your copy. Um, because I'm sure there are other publications outlets that would want that um, and it's a bit of a tricky one because you've already been commissioned and there's a certain amount you're ex being expected to you know um, to receive um, but if they're not replying you then there's nothing you can do um, in that instance and I think it would be okay to move on because you know you, you've put the hard work in um, and for that to go nowhere is, is, isn't very fair at all so yeah that's what I would say. Absolutely I mean I usually um send in copy in one email and kind of say you know let me know if there's any um problems with this because again if it's if it's features it might be something that they don't have to deal with straight away um but then I would usually probably the next a few days later or the next week then send a follow-up email if they've not replied just to say I'm just checking you've got this and here's my invoice like you are going to pay me for this I've you know I've done the commission just as another way of kind of getting getting in touch um 
with them again um because obviously it can be a really long time until a, a piece is published but all you want to know is a quick acknowledgement even if it's just oh thanks I've received it I'm not going to be looking at this till next week or next month or whatever it is just so that you know because we've also all had those scenarios where you haven't heard anything for ages and then you get an email back saying here are your edits can I have them by tomorrow <laughs> yeah. um so yeah just as the other side of of that coin um I wanted to talk a bit about how you can kind of manage your anxiety or feelings about this from a freelance perspective um, I mean, because one thing is, even if there's lots of good reasons why an editor hasn't responded or is ghosting you, that can feel very rude from your point of view. Um, but also, because you work for yourself and you might not have anybody to kind of check if this is normal or check if this is OK, you can perhaps then start being a bit anxious about maybe the copy wasn't good enough, maybe I didn't what they, you know, it wasn't what they wanted or they changed their mind about the commission, sort of, et cetera, especially if you're just starting out, I think. So, Joel, do you have any advice on how to kind of keep a sense of perspective and not let your mind get carried away with all the terrible scenarios about why they're not answering your, your email? Yeah, I mean, as you say, this is something that changes with experience, you know, uh, like I've been doing this nearly 20 or, you know, writing for people in various formats for 20 years now. So so that sort of calms down over time. But I mean, ultimately, like any any good editor is going to at least come back to you, even if even if they the copy isn't what they hope for, even if they have changed their mind they will come back to you and at least do you the courtesy of telling you that. And I think an editor that doesn't is basically one that you don't want to be working with over the long term anyway. So you can almost regard it as them doing you a favor by like letting you know that, you know, some somebody who doesn't respond to any, any a polite request for, you know, if you say, was this copy okay? And they still send you nothing back. That's probably not somebody you want to be cultivating a relationship with over the long term. Although on the flip side of that, I think I'm like you guys, I I do have relationships with some people who occasionally, you know, I work with them a lot, but sometimes I pitch them something and they just don't respond to it. And then they come back a week later and go, would you be able to write this thing and don't even acknowledge the email I've sent the week before? And I kind of don't mind that. It's just, it's part of the working relationship I have, you know, um, I expect, you know, I'm a freelancer, I expect some things to bounce off and and uh, and just get lost and and that's just the way it is sorry if that sounds negative <laughs> no but it's right isn't it? it's having that um resilience and also being yeah being able to move on and, and not take it personally and you know that idea didn't work but they want you to do something else for them so that's that's fine um yeah, yeah. I mean especially if you're just starting out or if it's a new editor that you're working for because you're going to kind of have that sense of oh am I doing this right is this how the process works is this normal um so it's part of the reason why we wanted to do this episode because when we get these questions all the time we're kind of saying oh yeah that's normal chase in a couple of days or something but you have no idea necessarily or especially if you know you've only ever worked for editors who have got back to you straight away when you suddenly have one who really doesn't it can be quite disconcerting yeah, but I, I, what I tend to do once I've established a relationship with someone, so maybe I've done, done one piece for them, I'll ask, actually ask them the question, do you mind me chasing you? And like, how many times is too much? And they'll always come back and say, yes, please do chase because I get thousands of emails a day and I just miss stuff. 
and Sophie chase me it'll put it to the top of the agenda again so I think um you know having that open conversation with them as well about chasing um can be can be a useful thing to do as well um yes answering that age-old question how often is it okay to chase somebody (laughs) and how regularly like I when I was an editor I never minded you know someone bouncing because it's an email at the end of the day you know you like if someone was ringing me every day I might get a bit ticked off after a while but um the, the one thing I would say about chasing is I think you can keep it very straight I had one freelancer who used to go I'm just sending you the gentlest wisp of a reminder about this and I'd be like you don't need to do this you could just say just a quick reminder about this topic and I'd be fine with that you know send them as often as you like yeah I think that's the thing isn't it people think that they have to tread really carefully and it and it's being rude if they chase um and it's getting that fine balance between like not wanting to be rude but also being kind of assertive that you know you you need response um because obviously if you if you overstep that mark then you might upset that relationship but yeah at the same time you're perfectly within your you know with it's perfectly within reason to to be asking kind of what's going on and like I say like you've said you know editors welcome that because they don't they don't see stuff or they've forgotten about stuff and it's actually helpful helpful to them I think Yes, I mean, I've been working quite hard on not apologising all the time because I think that's some a habit that you can get into in emails. Like, I'm really sorry to, you know, just kind of being really meek in the start of your emails. I'm really sorry to waste your time. Um, whereas actually, that's just wasting everybody's time. You just need to, without being rude, just get to the, yeah, the the point of, of what it is you need to say. Um, and that's fine. Um, we did mention kind of picking up the phone and calling them. So I just wanted to um, kind of ask, um, Shape, I'll ask this to you. Um, you know, do you ever pick up the phone if you're not getting response from email? Is that a kind of, I don't know if we feel that that's a bit too intrusive. Is that actually just the solution that we all need to do? We all just need to pick up the phone and actually get an answer that way. Mm. Um the way I well the way I do it is the phone is like the last resort if they're really not replying if something is time sensitive then I'll pick up the phone um but I often find with the well the phone the phone numbers I have obviously they're not uh they're personal ones they're their they're work ones right um and they're often out and about during the day or they're only in the office for a couple of hours so I often don't get a response uh, from that it's usually ends up being the emails in the end um, but yeah, I kind of see phone calls as like the last resort because you you want them to know that if they're getting a phone call from you, it's important. Um, and I think by doing that, it means that you're more likely to get them to pick up rather than, you know, like Joel was saying, someone's calling you 20 times a day, you're not going to pick up the phone. Um, so yeah, I, I see phone calls as the last resort and that should signal to them that it's something important and hopefully it will mean you get a response from them. Yeah, I think I think that's really useful. And you're right. It's sometimes, you know, the phone number just goes to a voicemail anyway, um, particularly if you don't like have a mobile number. But it's worth it's definitely worth a shot if you get to that point, like you say, as a last resort, trying to um, to get hold of someone. Yeah. And one last thing that I wanted to say on this actually is did, um, if it's something to do with finances and payment that you're not getting an answer 
on actually sometimes the best solution is to find out who on payroll you should be speaking to or who in finances that you should be speaking to about it because actually the editor's probably acting as a go-between anyway and you could solve a lot of their problems by just going direct to the person who's dealing with your invoice and just kind of cut out the middleman and save everybody a bit of hassle so sometimes it's finding there's actually a different person who can solve your solve your problem yeah and if it's a small team and you've got a relationship with someone else on that team then sometimes it can be worth dropping them an email and just you know if you know they're in a office together that they can just kind of you know nudge the person next to them um, I wouldn't advise doing that all the time but it's you know something that you could perhaps try out every now and then um, sort of trying to get to the person in a in a roundabout way okay brilliant I think we're going to bring this topic to a close but we're going to just kind of finish it up by um, asking you both for your sort of top tip on this particular topic so Joel if we come to you first what is your sort of one bit of advice that you would give to someone um, when it comes to dealing with this so actually, um, I thought you made a great point, Lily, that um, emailing about at different times of day can sometimes be really helpful. Um, I think it's really tempting as a freelancer to kind of go, I will chase all my pictures first thing on a Monday morning. And actually, uh, first thing on a Monday morning is when editors are going to be like dealing with the most stuff they have to do all week, probably. So, you know, yeah, maybe experiment with shifting it to a sort of Tuesday afternoon or something. Um, but the and then the only kind of adjunct I would say to that is that if you are going to um chase them in a, with a kind of different headed email it's still it's really helpful to include all the info from the previous emails that they need to kind of make a decision um like make the decisions easy for them based on that so again just repeat it just go i've cut and pasted what you need to know below give me a yes no pick one of these three case studies whatever it is you know make make their jobs easy yeah, it's the same as when you're chasing pictures, isn't it? We always say to send it again. Don't expect them to hunt back through their email box for the original email. You just kind of want to put all the information that they need in front of them. Um, so, Shalope, same question to you. What would be the one top tip that you would take away from the episode today? Um, yeah, it would actually be the same one about the fresh email. Um, I'm the sort of person I like things in a very particular way so I feel like replying emails it keeps it all in one but actually um, that it takes so long for them to scroll through and understand um, so I'd say actually yeah the, the fresh email um, and I guess the second thing is never take it personally. Um, yeah yeah that's really important um, because it is never personal um, you're right and um, it's there's so many factors to to why someone might not be responding so that that's a really yeah really good one to finish on okay so we're, we're going to introduce a little kind of new section to the podcast um just as our way of sort of wrapping up the show we want to share the freelance love a bit so we want to ask you both who is the freelance journalist that has caught your eye recently perhaps someone who's done a really good piece or someone that you generally admire so Joel over to you um, so I really like uh, Amelia Tate, who works all over the place. I think she's done some stuff for the New Statesman recently. She works for The Guardian a bit. Um, she she does a lot, but she's really carved out a niche as a kind of observer of internet culture. And I think she she pulls a lot of interesting stuff from Reddit. And she did a great piece on who the people are who reply to, uh, they call it, am I the 
I won't say the word, uh, <laughs> posts, but but she really she digs into what's going on online in a really fascinating way and she's really good at it. So yeah, I'll always read her stuff. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I love people who've got those really niche kind of expertise um, in those kind of quirky areas. So uh, yeah, same question to you, Shalape. Who's been kind of uh, impressing you recently? Um, yeah, it's uh, a lady called uh, Latifa Jean-Baptiste. Um, she has got words in the refinery, Metro, Cosmo, Business Insider. Um, but what really drew me to her is she started, or should I say relaunched, um, something called the Career Girl Collective. Um, and it's just a page on Instagram. And she just has loads of tips on how to pitch to certain um, publications, some of whom she's already written for. Um, and yeah, it's, it, they're just really nice something to look forward to on a Monday when you're scrolling through um, and some really like nice advice for freelancers. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, I love the fact that you you mentioned Amelia Joel because I was just quickly googling on my phone and um, she actually interviewed me for an article recently um, that she did for Vice on um, uh, stories about first-time buyers because I used to write a lot of those kind of stories and she was looking at um, you know why those stories are so popular and and why they provoke such kind of reaction on social media and when he said her name I thought oh I know that name um so it's quite she's also really like forthcoming with advice for um sort of you know fledgling freelancers as well so yeah place her at once but she is she's a good person to follow on twitter yeah actually. yeah she it, it was it was really interesting actually um being on the other side of it and her interviewing me and um yeah it was a really good piece that she put together so yeah that, that's a good shout out brilliant okay well we're gonna bring this episode to a close hopefully we all feel a bit more confident that ghosting is something that happens to everyone i think we've we've kind of got that across um, and it's definitely not a sign that you're doing something wrong. And hopefully our audience have got some pointers now on how to manage it when it happens. Yes, yeah, so you can find out more about us and all the resources that we um, offer at our website, freelancingforjournalists.com, um, as well as signing up, if you're not already, to our Freelancing for Journalists Facebook community, where we've got about 5,000 members now. And over on social media, we're at Freelancing4 on Twitter and Instagram. We also have a TikTok account. So you can go and find us there where we are Freelancing for Journalists, which is with the number four, because I don't think we could fit in the, the word for F-O-R on there. So we're over on TikTok. Um, and also you can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Lily Cantor. And I'm at Emma Journo. And we will have resources in the show notes as well of all the articles and journalists and everything that we've mentioned today. So if you want to go and hunt any of those out, have a look in our show notes and we'll have the links for you. Um, we want to say big thanks to our research assistant, Helen Quinn, and our producer, Maddie Drury. Yep, and we will be back next week. So goodbye for now. Bye. <laughs>